Welcome to the Happy in the Mess podcast. We are your hosts, Marlena, Sherry, and Matthew. We are therapists and coaches, and we want to share our own stories with you, as well as the wisdom, insights, and tips we've learned along the way. Thanks for tuning in to this episode. Welcome to this episode of the Happy in the Mess podcast. I'm Sherry, and I'm here with Matthew and Marlena. This is a very special episode. It's a little out of the norm for what we normally do, but also very, very important. Uh, today, we're going to focus our interview on Marlena so that we can all know a little bit more about her personality. Let me tell you from personal experience that she is a fascinating person with a great backstory and so much wisdom to share. So I'm very excited to hear some of these stories that I haven't heard yet. Please like, share, comment, rate, and review on whatever platform you listen to. Uh, the Happy in the Mess podcast answers questions that a lot of people might be searching for. And when you take this extra step, you make it easier for them to find us. You can also find each of us on our own platform, creating our own happy magic. Let's hear from each of our coaches and where to find them. Matthew, can you tell our listeners where to find you and what you've been working on? We are working on kind of finding that perfect blend between being a geek, being spiritual, and having really positive mental health. And so you can check those things out at MatthewEMorgan.com or my banner call, which is Misfit Refuge. Perfect. Marlena, what about you? Where can people find you? You can find me at CoachMarlena.com. And um, my niche is working with spiritual singles um, and aligning with a life, a life they love. Perfect. And I'm Sherry Timko, and my you can find me at my website with that name. And I've got all sorts of resources for couples who've been together a little while and have are having trouble connecting. All right. So Marlena, let's just jump right into this. Why don't you tell us what you do? Sure. Well, I am a coach, as you know, and I work with um, spiritual singles, helping them level up their lives in all aspects, whether that be their love life, their work life. Um, their time life, how they manage their time, their wealth, and their health. I believe that singles have some disadvantages and some opportunities, both in society. You know, the disadvantages are pretty obvious. You know, having property becomes harder as a if you only have one income. Nowadays, things are just more expensive. Food goes to waste because you're cooking for one oftentimes. You know, you have to struggle with maybe with roommates um, because you're not in a partnership traveling solo, you know, can be both wonderful and lonely. And it's also just harder to generate wealth and create legacy. But I'm interested in helping singles realize what's most important to them and, and realize their goals, even if they are single. I know from interacting with you that there's a bit of a through line here, but I also know that for you, this is a bit of a pivot. So for those of our listeners who've been listening for the past two seasons, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. Like I first started working out with singles, helping them manifest love that was equal and mutual and respectful and not settling down with just a partner, just to not be alone. And so that was my initial focus. But the more I realized that many singles have either come to peace with them being single, do know about the dating game. They know their deal breakers. They're good with that. They're good with either being alone or finding a partner and they're not willing to settle. And some of them really don't need that particular work, but they still have other areas in their life where they'd like to level up. I've worked with people who wanted to increase their confidence and sort of draw in resources in their work life 
or in their friendship life or just in general time management. There's so many other areas which singles get to spend their time on and think about because they're not raising a family and they're not focused on a partner. So it really becomes about how are they living their best life and how can we get them there? And I use a lot of EMDR to help them do that because it's um, those mental and emotional blocks sometimes of leveling up in certain areas that we need to like break through. Well, that is so important work. I think that there are a lot of resources for people who are married and a lot of resources for people who are dating and want to get into a partnership. But I don't hear a lot of things about the people who really feel very good about being single and want to do that well. So that sounds really important. Um, is there a mission behind this for you? Well, I am a single person, so I really appreciate having focus on the unique needs of singles. You know, we are not, like I said, raising a family necessarily, unless you're a single parent, and that's a whole other subcategory. And we're not necessarily focusing on a partnership or have a partner to focus on. So the the, the emphasis of our lives is a little different. And I don't hear a lot of people working with singles and, and, and ministering to singles in this way. I know some churches try to do singles ministries and they actually tend to be pretty successful or they're just not put enough effort in because they're, they're kind of a lonely bunch and excluded or excluded from tax benefits. And again, you know, the dual income stuff and, and getting to share resources like other people. So it's, it's unique. And a lot of us are forging our own path. You know, the largest, this is a very big group in the United States, bigger than it's ever been the singles and the unmarrieds and the childless. And, and so we're kind of like crafting a whole new way of living and being. And it's new and exciting and it's sometimes scary because we don't know what the future holds. A thing with singles too, my mission is helping them find a sense of belonging. Because if you're not belonging to your children or your family anymore, who do you, or a spouse, who do you belong to? And that, that is so needed among the single population is to find that sense of belonging. Where do you personally find inspiration for your own journey? I find it, I have returned to deepening my family of origin relationships in healthier ways. I have returned to friendships, whether they are single themselves or in partnership. I have turned to um, you know mutual support groups to find that sense of belonging. And I listen to a lot of spiritual leaders, who, some of whom are single, and, and or divorced. And I find their messages really resonate with me. So that's where I go. And books, books are wonderful friends. And my cats are wonderful companions and sources of inspiration <laughs> as well. Talk about like the poster child animal for singleness. You know, they are independent and frisky and yeah, curious. And I love that I get to like follow my curiosity. I have developed beautiful routines to support my own spirituality and curiosity. And I love the spaciousness that being single has allowed me. However, I've noticed with singles, we get really overextended because people think that we they can hit us up for anything because we don't have a family to go home to. And so I have been pulled in 10 different directions and have had to put up real serious boundaries. And what a great lesson that's been for me as a single person is I get to make boundaries and still say the commitment is to myself. And, and I get to say no, just because I'm single and don't have a family doesn't mean I don't need time to work on my own relationship with me. Yeah, that relationship with you is such a big piece of this work. Um, in the last episode, we talked about friends and you mentioned how friends have come to stand in for you in lots of different ways. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because that sounded imp really important. 
Absolutely. My friends have been my family over the years. I don't know what I would have done without them. They have been there for me when I've been lonely. They have been there for me during the breakups and they have been there for me for travel, uh, meeting up with me in different countries or meeting people on my travels have been some lifelong friends that I've met. They have been just everything I would ever want, probably in a partner rolled into a bunch of different people, <laughs> minus the sex, minus the like romantic side of things. They have fulfilled such a need for belonging and love in my life. And I, I just, and even moving, helping me move. Oh my gosh. Now I, I, I don't do that to my friends anymore. I have sworn off. Now I will buy movers. I will never do that to my friends again. I realize that it's such a, a pain in the butt, but I'm so appreciative that I had the friends to call on to help me move when I didn't have the resources or funds to do it myself to hire professionals. Wow. Um, you've also been on the spiritual journey over the past few months that we've been party to. I wonder if you can describe what that has been and how that informs the work you're doing. Yeah, well, in my former life, I went to divinity school and I was a chaplain intern and a chaplain resident. And I've come to discover that spirituality for me is defined as a sense of connection to myself, to others, to something greater. And so it's not pigeonholed into a church. I actually left the church many years ago and I haven't returned since. And I don't regret it. I just felt like church was too boxed in for me. And so, you know, spirituality is this term we, we throw a lot, around a lot, but I do find it it's when I'm in flow and when I feel like I'm protected or guided or being loved by an energy that I can't describe necessarily. It's kind of indescribable, but I do practice making space for that relationship with a higher power or God, the universe, however you, I, I use these words interchangeably for myself. They're, they're many, many things to describe source energy. And sometimes I feel it when I'm outside. I always actually feel it when I'm outside, but I also meditate regularly to, to foster that connection and realize that I, I pray, I pray to spirit guides, I pray to God, I pray to source energy. And then I, then I make space to listen. And that's the, the meditation part to receive whether, you know, I do believe in signs and I believe that spirit speaks to us as a whisper. Oftentimes for me, it's a whisper, that intuitive knowing I really rely and my body speaks to me and my body is part of, I think the divine. And so I'm really tuned into how my body responds to things. And I feel more and more that I can trust my body's signals to tell me what's right and good for me, even if it doesn't make sense to others. Yeah, I know that you're very much in tune with how the bodily sensations connect with all sorts of things, your emotions and your thoughts. How does that translate in your work with singles? How do you help them make that same connection? Well, I have to talk about like what lights them up, you know, and, and, and that's, you know, pretty obvious when, and you can see it when they talk, you know, when someone's face lights up and sometimes just reflecting to someone, Hey, your face lit up. When you talked about that, it's a clue. Like you're on the right track. You're in a line in alignment with something. Likewise, I have sometimes people who talk to me and it, their face gets kind of cloudy. Their shoulders start to draw in words and their chest becomes a little more drawn into themselves. And then it becomes, and, and they almost start to frown and they say, well, I'm doing this thing. I'm like, well, you don't seem very excited about that. I mean, the body is just so telling, right? And so telling. And sometimes someone, we, as a counselor and as a coach, they just need someone to reflect that, be the mirror that says, hey, did you notice what your body was doing when you talked about that thing? Perhaps you're out of alignment. Perhaps that's the thing you need to call from your life. Yeah. I guess this comes from my experience of meditation and how that hasn't always resonated with me. How can, can someone work with you who 
doesn't really have a meditation practice? Because I always think of that when I think of spirituality. Absolutely. Meditation can be done off the cushion and as well as on the cushion. I'm quick though to teach my clients, at least in session, at least in breathing practices. And if you're not doing it anywhere else, but with me, that's fine. Sometimes just taking a mindful walk can be the meditation. Doing a yoga practice can be a meditation. My word, I have felt sometimes more spiritual dripping sweat and chaturanga than I have on a cushion when AC. So, you know, I think being in the receptive mode to spirit can happen in any number of ways. I don't want to box people in to say, you must sit on your cushion for 15 to 20 minutes every day and focus on your breathing. That's absurd. And that's not, obviously God is bigger than that. God can reach us in all kinds of ways or spirit or source energy, whatever you want to call it. That's beautiful. And I'll just tell you from my own standpoint, that's reassuring that there's lots of different ways of doing that. Um, okay, so if you, oh, no, I wanted to ask you about your travels, because I hear, like, these stories will just pop up every now and then, and I'll be like, you got to go there, and you did that, and so can you tell us uh, your, your journey of traveling? Well, I've been really blessed to have a family who um, live internationally, and uh, have introduced and exposed me to travel from a very, very young age. I'm bicultural and bilingual. So my father's from Mexico and his father was from Spain. My mother's from the United States, but she also grew up in Mexico and Kenya. And then my grandparents lived there and in Somalia. So, so everyone, so a lot of Africa connections and Mexico and Spain connections. So I've gone to Africa a couple of times. I studied abroad there in Tanzania for six months. And I did the Peace Corps in Nicaragua for two and a half years or so, a little less than that. And I've been really just blessed to have the opportunity to be in these places for long periods of time. I got to be in Hawaii for two months too, at an internship through my divinity school. Hawaii sort of feels like a different country, <laughs> uh, but I've, it, there's no better education for me than travel. And I've met lifelong friends. I'm still in touch with a lot of these people, which is beautiful that I've met um, in Nicaragua in Tanzania in Hawaii. And I've been to Europe multiple times. Europe did not resonate as much for me. It just wasn't as quite as a spiritual experience as these other places were, probably due to the nature factor. Yoga, meditation, nature were more um, involved in these other countries. And I just so appreciate and just getting to know myself. There's no better teacher of like who you really are until you're plopped down into a country where you don't know anyone or sometimes the language or the culture. It's uh, it's an adventure. It's an adventure. Sometimes I think though, I would be content after the Peace Corps. I didn't leave the United States for years. I was like, I'm fine. I don't need to go anywhere for a while, <laughs> but I'm so glad I had that experience. It gave me the confidence to know that I can do anything and nothing's going to be as bad as that. I hate to say it like that, but that was sometimes traumatizing, but the, some of these places weren't, weren't all roses, but I, uh, I'm glad I did it and I wouldn't do it again. I, a lot of people aren't really familiar with what the Peace Corps do. What did you do in the Peace Corps? Well, everyone's role is a little different. The, the mission of the Peace Corps is to basically learn about someone else's culture, doing a cultural exchange. Uh, it sort of was a, under the Kennedy era. It was to help Americans, help other countries like Americans, from what I understand, and do this cultural exchange and get to know each other. And it was also to help developing countries develop in some ways. So my particular role was in, it's a program that's no longer up and running. Actually, Peace Corps is out of Nicaragua due to all of their political turmoil, if you've been watching the news. Anyway, uh, I was there still under Daniel Ortega's still ongoing regime. And 
I was there to do rural agriculture and development work in a rural area. So I lived basically in a very rural farm-based area, and I worked with farmers to do conservation practices, uh, nitrogen-fixing crops with their corn, for example, to help them have uh, richer soil, better soil, worked with reforestation projects, uh, environmental education with the kids, uh, chicken vaccinations was one of the projects I did, it was hilarious. But anyway, um, we did youth group, we did sex education uh, for the youth group that I was a part of, learned how to make organic pesticides and insecticides. And one of my biggest projects was doing a community bank, which was a form of microfinance essentially. So we would pool resources in the community and loan out the sum, some chunks to people who needed them for investments to start their own small business and, or what have you. So we taught them and I, I taught them the math. I was taught the math, learned how to run a community bank because there's a quite a bit of math involved with that and how to divvy up at the end of the year with interest, everyone's contribution. Uh, so it was, it was really interesting because a lot of these farmers could not get loans in town because they didn't have any credit history. So this is the problem with these rural communities who aren't part of what we consider like regular commerce and economy. They, it, this is a way to create their own. So it, it was a really fascinating program the Peace Corps taught us and I brought it to my community and they participated for two years. I feel like you could do a whole episode just talking about that. There's so many layers to that. Um, for a lot of singles, traveling independently is, is intimidating. What advice do you have when you work with people about like exploring the world on their own? Well, there are some programs that you can join up for retreats. Those have become really popular in recent years. And that's a great place to go meet people and feel like you're in a safe environment. I would also check, not that I think the department, um, the U.S. State Department is always accurate in their assessment of dangerous or not dangerous, but it never hurts to get to, to read up on what that country's information and see what is safe and not safe to go to. I live in a border town and there's just some people who were traveling for medical reasons to Mexico ended up getting kidnapped, being and killed, being um, mistaken. And not to scare people. I <laughs> scare people when I say that, but do your homework. Do your homework about the air. Are they on the no travel advisory list or suggested not to travel list? And if you're intimidated by going all by yourself, Look for a retreat in the area that's affordable, that's within your budget. And that way you can meet people because the best thing about that kind of thing, I've done this many times, I've landed in retreat centers in other countries. You meet people and then you go travel together to a new place or you figure out a new itinerary and it becomes really fun. So um, I would encourage singles to absolutely travel alone, but not travel alone, but then go meet people in a group, You know, go find that retreat center, go find that conference, go find the thing where you know other travelers will be. Well, that sounds like fun, just is all, fun. all the way around. Um, Matthew, I have completely monopolized this conversation. Do you have any questions for Marlena? I'm here. What? No. Um, <laughs> I, one of the things that came to mind was as you're talking, so you, you said you're a big reader, so you love books. And I, I wonder if there is, is maybe a person or a few people who have really inspired you in, in your work um, as mm. you've been on this journey, or if you're just blazing new ground here to keep keeping to the Peace Corps mentality you know ah yeah so you mean yeah. like authors are there any authors uh, yeah. authors teachers yeah. that's a good question I would say some of my biggest mentors even though they um haven't always 
have been my my parents and my family who've traveled that that influence definitely comes from them and that's been I think they without even knowing it giving me the bravery to go out on my own and not worry about that I've I'm actually pretty good with language and I can pick up accents and, and language well so I I've had because I grew up bilingual I just you know you have to learn a language before the age of nine to be fully fluent so luckily I had Spanish since I was in diapers so that has been a huge resource I feel much more adaptable I can I can as one of my friends used to say like you could put me in an oversized bin like I, I can pretty much fit wherever you put me I'm pretty good at that and, and I have my parents to think as far as um, authors I've just been really moved by a lot of spiritual writers one of them being Catherine Catherine Woodward Thomas and that's in the show notes for our previous episode I I chose her because she had so much wisdom to give for people, single people. I related to her story as being someone, I'm not in my forties, but in, she was in her forties and still single and how she cultivated and crafted her life was super inspirational to me. And I have reread that book so many times. Um, it, it, it's a marketing gimmick, the title, it's calling in the one. And I haven't called in the one with it, but I have used those practices over and over to learn how to love myself. Because sometimes as a single person, if you're not partnered up, you feel like, am I not lovable? That's kind of the underlying negative belief and the, and the belief that society I can tell you how many times I've been asked, which I think is wildly inappropriate. Why are you still single? What are you waiting for? You know, are you too picky? What's wrong with you? And uh, it's so insulting those messages. And in that book, I found an opposite message, you know, and, and it was just very lovely to have that return to self-love. Oh, that's awesome. Absolutely. Well, do we want to roll into a lightning round here and just get yeah. to know little bits and pieces here real quick? We definitely want to have time for that lightning round. We have lots of these kind of questions that, you know, these burning questions that everyone has of what what are your things? So I know. So, Matthew, you're going to lead that. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah, I love this is my neurodivergent self. I'm like, let's let's pick all the random stuff. So not to scare <laughs> you, right? <laughs> but, so we talked about physical travel. What what about time travel? Like if you could go any time, what what would you go to? I'd probably go to the future about 10 years out so that I could okay. tell my younger self, chill the F out. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. What about present? Where's your happy place? My happy place, my mental vacation spot for me, I mean, it's, it's it exists right now in my mind, is Hawaii. I just I so enjoyed the big island and where I was. I was at this retreat center and it was such bliss. I returned to that over and over and over. I've never felt so free. And so in this energetic vortex, if you will, not to use too much woo-woo language, I just felt like if I thought of things, they appeared. It was kind of amazing. Never mm -hmm. had quite that experience in my life before. Very nice. I need to go there at some point. But... Um, go to lazy dinner for you. Oh, don't judge me. It's <laughs> frozen pizza with a side of vegetables. Nothing wrong with that. I, mean, I love so, that you throw a side of vegetables in there. I, I, I noticed that too. Yeah. <laughs> um, hidden talent. Ooh, hidden talent. I have a hidden talent. I don't know if how hidden it is, but it's, um, Mm. May I brag and say a couple little things that might be mm -hmm. my talent? Well, yeah. One is, I told you earlier, accents. Like I can pick up accents pretty easily in other languages or in, even in English. If I spend too much time in Britain, I start sounding like a person from the UK. When I went to Tanzania, they were like, are you from here? You sound just like us. <laughs> like, no, I just have this ability to hear 
how you say things and say them back. Um, I also have a bit, you may not sound like it in this podcast, an ability to synthesize information um, into something that really makes sense in digestible bites. So I can read very, very heavy, like theological text and tell you in two sentences what it was all about. <laughs> uh, so I consider that to be one of my secret talents. And I have a lot of good hand-eye coordination. Even when I was drinking, and we didn't mention any of that, I could like catch beer bottles falling, like, or I, I played tennis my whole life. So I have very good hand-eye coordination, which I'm blessed with. Nice. Could have used used you with the theological text when I was going through that too. <laughs> so those are some heady ones there. Oh my word, aren't they? Oh my goodness. Uh, favorite board game? Matthew, I don't think I have a favorite board game, to be honest. I prefer cards. Cards. Okay. Nice. Favorite card game? Oh, I love the, the slapjack. I know it's lame, but okay. it's so much fun. It's fun. <laughs> it's chaos. So. Yeah. Oh, uh, the phrase, uh, the way to my heart is. To be a really good and em empathetic listener. I like that. Uh, are you a binge? Do you binge watch shows or you take a whole, take one episode at a time? I binge watch. And sometimes I'll Google what the end of the season is just so I'm not surprised. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if your cats could talk, what would they say about you? Oh, they would say <laughs> the silly girl who makes us dance with us. Here she is again, but she's okay. <laughs> she always says that we're nice and pretty. <laughs> nice. Nice and pretty. I love it. Oh, uh, real quick. Um, what's the last thing you watched on TV? I think, uh, the last thing I watched on TV was shrinking, which is that wildly inappropriate therapist show. <laughs> which makes me feel like I'm not being unethical because they are so unethical. It's hilarious. <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, one food you would never want to give up. Say that again. One food that you would never want to give up. Mac and cheese. Mac and cheese. Nice. Um, and so we talked a little bit about your global travels. Uh, just to wrap up, what has been your favorite travel destination? I have to go back to the big island, Hawaii. Back to Hawaii. Yeah, nice. it's where I visit in my mind all the time. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. Where are you traveling to next? Ooh, that's a great question, Sherry. You know, I think Bali might be next for me. I know that's so lame, right? Eat, Pray, Love was one of those books I just ate up. And I've been wanting to go to Bali for a while. So I'm hoping, realistically, it's going to be Mexico. But I'm Bali is hopefully on the list next. Nice. Awesome. Just well, take the detour. Yeah. <laughs> in your world travels. <laughs> Thank you so much for letting us talk to you today, Marlena. I have learned so much about you and I hope our audience has as well. Of course, if you have a question specific to Marlena, please drop it in the comments because we all would probably love to know the answer, right? Uh, thank you everyone for joining us for this episode. Please remember to like, share, comment, rate, and review this podcast on whatever platform you listen to so that we can spread the word about our collective wisdom and in this case about the marvelous Marlena who just has so much to offer. We'd love to hear your burning questions uh, and we will consider them as topics so make sure to comment that as well. Uh, so we will look forward to talking to you next week. Mm -hmm.